bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 26, 2015. In our general news section today, I'll talk about progress on a bill that could advance evidence-based policymaking within the federal government. Then, I'll give you the latest news on the Senate Finance Committee's five tax reform working groups. What is their status, and what can we expect from them in the near future? In our low-income housing tax credit section, I'll share a report illustrating the gap between wages and rents across the country. Then, I'll discuss why California could potentially see an extra $200 million available for green housing investments. I'll also talk about an upcoming webinar on low-income housing tax credit acquisition and rehabilitation developments. In New Markets Tax Credit News, I'll give you an update on two companion bills that would permanently extend the New Markets Tax Credit program. I'll also tell you how you can participate in a sign-on letter that two congressmen are circulating in support of a New Markets Tax Credit extension. Then, I'll share with you the three winners of our Novogratic Community Development Individual Achievement Awards. We're honoring three leaders who have greatly contributed to the New Market Tax Credit Program. In Historic Tax Credit News, I'll share an update on a North Carolina State Historic Tax Credit Bill and how it fits into the proposed state budget plan. Then I'll close out this week's podcast with our Renewable Energy Tax Credit section, where I'll report on a recent Nebraska Renewable Energy Tax Credit Bill and how it fared after it advanced out of committee. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the House Oversight Committee last Tuesday reported to the full House a bill designed to advance evidence-based policymaking within the federal government. As some of you may have guessed, I'm referring to the Evidence-Based Policymaking Commission Act of 2015. And if that sounds familiar, it's because a similar bill was introduced during the tail end of the last Congress. The sponsors of that legislation were former House Budget Committee Chairman Paul Ryan, a Republican, and Senate Budget Committee Chairwoman Patty Murray, a Democrat. Both Ryan and Murray reintroduced the bill in their respective chambers last month. If enacted, the bill would create a 15-member commission that would study how data can best be used to evaluate the effectiveness of federal programs, especially mandatory spending and tax expenditures. And it's a move that could play a role in how lawmakers consider different programs under tax reform. The commission would examine whether a data clearinghouse on federal expenditures could make it easier for researchers to find relevant program information. This could help agencies better evaluate the effectiveness of federal programs. And in turn, lawmakers could use the information when they make decisions on tax and public spending policies. Unlike federal programs funded out of the annual discretionary budget, programs funded through mandatory spending and tax expenditures aren't regularly reviewed. This commission would provide the evidence base that could promote entitlement reform and tax reform. The commission would be comprised of 15 members, 
appointed by the President, the Speaker of the House, the House Minority Leader, and the Senate Majority and Minority Leaders. Among his choices, the President must select the Director of the Office of Management and Budget or the Director's designee. Other appointees would include academic researchers or data experts and experts in database privacy matters. The bill would require the Commission to submit a report of its findings no later than 15 months after the majority of Commission members are appointed. I should note that the version of the bill that the Oversight Committee passed with a voice vote last week was an amendment in the nature of a substitute. However, the changes passed through the substitute were minor. The original version only required the Commission to report on current data inventory and room for improvement. Meanwhile, the amended version also requires that the report include the Commission's findings on a potential clearinghouse system. The substitute bill now goes to the full House for consideration. It is unclear at this point if or when the Senate will take up this bill. The bill text is available at www.novaco.com slash hottopics. Click on the tax expenditures link. The House version is H.R. 1831 and the Senate is S-991. In other news, the Senate Finance Committee's five tax reform working groups have been given an extension of time to offer their feedback on overhauling the U.S. tax code. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, the bipartisan working groups were formed in January to develop bipartisan proposals for tax reform in the 114th Congress. The groups have examined current tax law and consider tax reform options within each group's designated topic areas. The five working groups are on community development and infrastructure, business income tax, individual income tax, international tax, and savings and investment. The business income tax will examine the renewable energy tax credits, and the community and infrastructure group will evaluate the low-income housing tax credit, new markets tax credit, and historic tax credit. The groups originally had an end-of-May deadline for reporting their findings and recommendations to the committee. Well, last week, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch and Ranking Member Ron Wyden announced that they would give the groups more time for analysis. Hatch and Wyden said a new timeline would be decided after lawmakers return from the Memorial Day recess on Monday, June 1st. It remains to be seen whether the groups will make any specific policy recommendations and whether the working group reports will be made public. Committee members have different opinions. Senator John Thune, who heads up the Business Income Tax Working Group, said he thinks there will be some form of recommendation. Meanwhile, others, like the Individual Income Tax Working Group co-chairman Mike Enzi, said he doesn't intend to endorse any specific changes. I'll have more updates for you on Twitter as they develop. My Twitter handle is at In low-income housing tax credit news, I'd like to share a recent report that illustrates the importance of preserving affordable housing resources, such as the low-income housing tax credit. The report, by the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, or NLIHC, illustrates the gap between wages and rents across the country. It It reveals how difficult it is for renters to remain housed, explaining it using the term housing wage. NLIHC defines a housing wage as an estimate of the full-time hourly wage that a household must earn in order to afford a decent apartment at HUD's estimated fair market rent, while spending no more than 
30% of income and housing costs. The report indicates that the 2015 housing wage is $15.50 for a one-bedroom unit and is $19.35 for a two-bedroom unit. According to the report, the housing wage for a two-bedroom unit is more than two and a half times the federal minimum wage. Furthermore, the report indicates that there is no state in the country where a minimum wage worker working full-time can afford a one-bedroom apartment at the fair market rent. The federal minimum wage, as you may know, is currently $7.25 per hour, and it's not been raised since 2009. Had the federal minimum wage risen alongside productivity, it would be more than $18 per hour today, this according to the report. The report is called Out of Reach 2015. Undoubtedly, working families' low wages and subsequent lack of affordable housing options remains a significant problem across the country. That being said, the low-income housing tax credit is one of the most prominent tools to help provide affordable housing to the country's low-income earners. To learn more about how programs like the local housing tax credit can help finance housing for working families, contact my partner Stacy Stewart in our Dover, Ohio office. She can be reached at 330-365-5400. Next, here's possibly some good housing funding news for California. Last week, Governor Brown proposed to double the investment of cap-and-trade money for the state's affordable housing and sustainable communities program. That would mean an extra $200 million would be invested in greenhouse-reducing affordable housing developments. Here's some background. California's cap-and-trade program sets a limit on emissions and then sells allowances for companies to exceed their assigned limits. Most of those allowances are sold in state auctions, and part of that money goes to the Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities Program. That program aims to decrease greenhouse emissions. It includes efforts such as weatherproofing. Much of the financing so far, though, has been spent on single-family homes. But there is hope for an expansion of the investment in multifamily housing. Governor Jerry Brown's revised budget proposal, which is now with the state legislature for possible negotiation revision, would increase the investment from the auctions into that program for the next fiscal year to $400 million. That's double what was estimated to be available in January and three times what's available in the current budget year. It will provide opportunities for extra funding for developers of green affordable housing properties. The California revised budget is expected for completion in June when the final figures are available. It's good to see that more of this money, targeted for green investments, is being used to expand environmentally friendly affordable housing. For more information, Contact my partner, Jim Kroger, in our San Francisco office at 415-356-8000. Next, I'd like to invite listeners to sign up for our upcoming Novogradic LIHCC Acquisition Rehab Basics webinar. It'll address the issues associated with acquiring existing residential rental real estate for the purpose of rehabilitating it under the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Program. The webinar will cover a number of items, including an overview of initially qualifying units for claiming local housing tax credits, as well as significant dates for determining the appropriate tax credit percentages. This webinar is designed for asset managers, underwriters, development team members, property managers, and anyone else who's involved in the acquisition and rehabilitation of affordable housing. 
Attendees will have the opportunity to earn Continuing Professional Education, or CPE, at credit hours. The webinar will be this Friday, May 29th, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The lead instructor is my partner, Thomas Stagg, from our Seattle Metro office. And joining Thomas is Wayne Michael, Novogratz Director of External Education. The deadline to register is this Thursday, May 28th at 5 o'clock p.m. You can sign up today at www.novoco.com slash events. In New Markets Tax Credit News, I have an update on legislation that we've been monitoring for over the past few months. It's legislation that would permanently extend the federal New Markets Tax Credit, which expired at the end of last year. Regular listeners may remember that the companion versions of the New Markets Tax Credit Extension Act of 2015 were introduced in February in the House and Senate. In addition to making the program permanent, the bills would also set an annual inflation adjustment for the allocation amount. The annual inflation adjustment would help return the credit to its original value and keep that value going forward. If the bill is enacted this year, Novigrad and Company estimates that about $4.8 billion in allocation authority would be available, as opposed to the current $3.5 billion authorized level. The legislation would also allow the new markets tax credit to be taken against the Alternative Minimum Tax, or AMT, liability. That move would put the new markets tax credit on a more level playing field with other tax credits, such as the local housing tax credit and the historic tax credit. Since our last update at the end of April, six new co-sponsors have signed on in support of the House bill. There are four new Democrats, Marcia Fudge from Ohio, Zoe Lofgren from California, Sean Patrick Maloney from New York, and Ann Custer from New Hampshire. The two new Republican co-sponsors are Fred Upton from Michigan and Susan Brooks from Indiana. This brings the total number of co-sponsors for the House bill to 46 at the time of this recording. There are 30 Democratic co-sponsors and 16 Republican co-sponsors. And since our last update, the Senate version of the bill remains with six co-sponsors. To read more about the New Market Tax Credit Extension Act of 2015, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. The House version is H.R. 855, and the Senate is Senate Bill 591. In related news, two members of the House last week began circulating a sign-on letter urging leaders of the House Ways and Means Committee to support extension of the New Markets Tax Credit Program. The letter states that since 2003, the New Markets Tax Credit has generated more than $60 billion in capital investment for communities in need. These New Markets Tax Credit investments have directly created nearly 750,000 jobs. And moreover, it cites Treasury Department findings that businesses and jobs financed by the New Markets Tax Credit have generated enough revenue to more than pay for the program. The sign-on letter was spearheaded by Republican Mike Turner of Ohio and Democrat Shaka Fatah from Pennsylvania. Turner and Fatah have been longtime advocates of extending the New Market Tax Credit. They circulated similar sign-on letters in 2013 and 2014. Those of you interested in having your representative sign on to the letter or encouraging them to should have your representative reach out to Representative Turner's office or to Representative Fatah's office. The deadline for your representative to add his or her signature is Tuesday, June 16th. And we posted a copy of the letter for you at www.newmarketscredits.com. 
Hover over the Policy Regulations tab and select Advocacy. Additional details to, for your representative to reach out to Fatah or Turner are contained in that letter. Next, I'd like to congratulate the winners of our Novigradic Community Development Individual Achievement Awards. The awards recognize lawmakers and executives who have contributed to the advancement of the New Market Task Credit Program. They've done this through their vision, leadership, innovation, and impact on public policy. The Federal Legislative of the Year Award is Representative Pat Tiberi. Representative Tiberi has been a longtime supporter of the New Market Tax Credit. His leadership has helped lead to several extensions of the New Market Tax Credit program over the years, and he recently introduced H.R. 855 to make the New Market Tax Credit a permanent part of the tax code. Illinois State Senator James Claiborne is the State Legislative of the Year. One of his bills created the Illinois New Markets Development Program in 2008. And the Public Executive of the Year Award winner is Tracy Nichols, who is the Director of Economic Development for the City of Cleveland. She has helped make possible more than 10 New Market Tax Credit projects, representing $150 million in qualified equity investments and close to half a billion dollars in total development in the City of Cleveland. I want to take this opportunity to congratulate our winners. Their leadership and fine work show how the New Markets Tax Credit can be a game changer for low-income communities. Award winners will be honored June 11th at the Novogratz New Market Tax Credit Conference in Washington, D.C. And, by the way, if you haven't registered for the conference yet, you still can. Go to www.novoco.com events. In historic tax credit news, the long-awaited state historic tax credit reinstatement in North Carolina took a major step last week. That's when the state House of Representatives included a version of it in its $21 billion spending plan. The state Senate will now consider the legislation and negotiate with House leaders before sending the final version to Governor Pat McCrory. Governor McCrory is a major proponent of reinstating the tax credit. The North Carolina Historic Preservation Tax Credit, included in the House Spending Bill, would be made retroactive to January 1 of this year and would be extended to January 1, 2021. The credit is identical to House Bill 152, which passed the House in March, but was exiled in the Senate to the Ways and Means Committee, which rarely meets. It includes a 15% credit for qualified expenditures up to $10 million and a 10% credit for qualified expenditures from $10 million to $20 million. There's a bonus of 5% if the structure is in one of the state's development or targeted investment areas. The maximum per development credit would be $4.5 million, and the estimated impact on the state's budget is about $8 million annually. The Senate will now consider the House bill and a compromise is possible during the conferee process. Supporters will undoubtedly encourage the Senate to keep the credit in the final funding bill. The historic tax credit wasn't, by the way, the only tax credit included in the House bill. The legislation also included an extension of the state renewable energy tax credit. The new sunset date for the credit would be January 1, 2018. The proposed extension would change the credit to 20% of the investment. The current tax credit rate is 35% of the cost and it's set to expire at the end of this year. For more information on the North Carolina tax credits, including an earlier extension of the safe harbor date for renewable energy tax credits, see the June issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. And if you don't have a subscription to the journal yet, you can subscribe at www.novaco.com journal. 
In renewable energy tax credit news, a bill that would have dramatically increased the renewable energy tax credit in Nebraska went down in defeat earlier this month due to a filibuster. I mentioned this legislation several weeks ago after it had advanced out of a committee in April. However, it couldn't get past the legislature after the filibuster began. Supporters of the bill got 30 votes to end the filibuster, but they needed 33. They fell three short. Nebraska adopted its state tax credit in 2006, and the amount was gradually reduced to the current level of 0.05 cents per hour. The proposal would have made the tax credit available as a production tax credit or an investment tax credit. As an investment tax credit, it would have been worth 30% of eligible construction cost. As a production tax credit, it would have increased the credit to 1.5 cents per kilowatt hour. That would have made it 30 times greater than it is. The bill also would have capped the tax credits at $75 million. Nebraska's wind potential ranks among the highest in the nation. However, it ranked 18th in the nation in wind energy production in 2013. This according to the American Wind Energy Association. That's the most recent year for which those statistics are available. For comparison, neighboring Iowa, which has eight times more wind turbines than Nebraska, ranked third in production. Iowa also has a tax credit that varies between one cent and 1.5 cents per kilowatt hour, close to what was proposed in Nebraska. For more information on renewable energy tax credits, contact my partner Stephen Tracy in our San Francisco office at 415-356-8000. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday, when I'll have details on a new bill that would extend the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit. This is Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.